because I feel like the muse is like this kind of finicky being, right? Who's like in the room and sometimes she comes and she just comes on you and it's like lightning in a bottle, right? And you're like, yes, this is awesome. I'm so awesome. And you're writing all the stuff, right? And sometimes it's like, it's not there at all. But if you show up, she's like, I'll show up if you show up first. Like you've mm -hmm. got to get it moving. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, and we are officially live here with the one and only Chris Bradley. Chris is the founder of Produce Like a Boss, a company that she teaches artists and specifically non-techie um, musicians how to produce high-quality music in a much simpler, um, easier to understand way than we're traditionally used to when it comes to plugins and, and all a bunch of like uh, advanced, complicated DAW stuff. Uh, Chris really has a great entryway to simplify things, uh, which is a, a super valuable skill in and of itself. She teaches from experience. She's a musician herself. She's gotten placements for Sony, Warner Chapel, Fox, USA Network. And today we're going to talk about really two main topics. One is about your know, production and, you know, as an artist, how can you cultivate the skill that, you know, it's, it's kind of essential, like, you know, even if you're not a fully, uh, you know, you're all only producing yourself all the time as an artist, um, and you still work with producers, it's still like an essential skill to get really good at. And it's going to be hugely valuable in terms of you as an artist to be able to produce yourself. So when we're talking about how do you, how do you do that? And then also we're going to be talking about some of the ways you can leverage that skill of production to actually be able to create a profitable business, which when you're just starting out as an artist, and let's say that you don't have uh, a ton of resources financially yet to be able to invest in marketing and different things, being able to do trade of services uh, is super valuable. And just like having a skill set like production is something that you can leverage. So I think it's been super valuable to talk about that. So Chris, thank you so much for being on the conference. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So Chris, what I love about you is that, you know, you really took this you took the skill set that you've cultivated and you've invested a lot of time and energy to, to learn how to produce yourself. And it's had a huge positive impact on your life and your business. And now you've been able to share this and to be able to, to help other artists who are, you know, like where you are at when you're starting out. And I think it's a super valuable skill. Um, I'm sure that now that you've worked with so many artists, you've seen a lot of the same, the same uh, common challenges, common mistakes, things coming up, things that you probably struggled with as well when you first started out. So um, I'm curious, one, how did you get started kind of making this transition to helping other artists with this and, and in your own career? And what were some of the biggest challenges and, and mistakes that you learned along the way? Totally. So I'm originally from LA and I live in San Diego now, but I moved to Nashville several years ago and I was there for five years. And the whole goal was like, I'm, I was chasing that hit song, right? I wanted like a major publishing deal or a major record deal, right? And, you know, sometimes you're writing two and three times a day. So if you're having to pay to get all your songs demoed, that can become quite an expensive uh, songwriting habit, right? So that's what I was doing. And, um, and I was paying anywhere from like 
$500 to $3,000 per recording, depending on if it was being released or if it was just a, a pitchable demo, right? So I had that part of it. And, you know, after being in Nashville for a couple years, I, I started to get a couple wins, you know, I got a couple cuts here and there. Um, I got uh, featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Music Row magazine, got my songs on the radio. And I was like, this is awesome. I was like, but this is more like street credit than anything. It really wasn't sustaining me like income wise. And then I was spending so much money on like getting my songs produced. I was like, okay, I've got to think outside the box here. What else can I do? And so learning how to produce kind of uh, began at a necessity, if you will, before it became a passion because I was like, man, I can't like pay other people to keep doing this. And then I started doing my own demos, which took the load off a little bit because I was saving some money, but then I got, you know, I got pretty good at that. And then people started hiring me to do that, their demos. And then demos turned into records and records turned into placements and it just kind of kept growing. And I was growing this little side business uh, doing like productions and demos for people. And it's funny because, you know, um, you know, I went there to get a hit song and I had friends that had number one songs and all of a sudden they're coming to me and they're like, Hey, um, can you show me how you're doing this online thing with like the producing and session work? And, you know, cause I was doing anything from producing demos to just cutting vocals for people. I mean, there's DJs out there and producers that will hire you just to top line and songwrite to their tracks. So it's like, here I am getting paid to write and record, but it's all outside of that traditional, what the traditional music industry tells you, um, you know, so it was really sobering for me to have somebody that like, they're living my dream. I moved to Nashville to get a hit song. You have a hit song and you're asking me how to make money, <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I've stepped into something here. So um, as it grew and this business grew from kind of a demo business to a production business, at a certain point, I realized, you know, I kind of like, I wanted to help other people that were in the same position that I was. Um, a lot of my friends were artists and I was like, you gotta learn how to do this. You know, this could get you out from working behind the bar or you know, waiting tables or driving for Uber. Cause I saw that a lot of my friends were struggling. So I was really passionate about, you know teaching other artists how to do this. Um, and it all began in my home studio back in Nashville. And so people were telling me as I was teaching them they're like, you know, you're really good at explaining this in a very easy, it's very easy to understand when you say it to me. And I was like, ah, oh. and, I, and I realized that you know, I, I'm kind of over, I'm kind of skipping over how hard this was for me to learn because I'm a singer songwriter, because I'm an artist, a lot of the technical talk around it and the engineer brain stuff was just felt like techno babble to me. So it was like, whenever I went to work with another artist, I'm like, you know what? I know, I know how I got you, boo. I know how to put this in a way that you're going to understand and not like talk over you. Cause you know, I, I remember asking a few friends and peers, like questions about production and, you know, especially if they went to music school or audio school, you know, engineering school, it was very textbook answers, like stuff that was just way over my head. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to simplify this for the songwriter who doesn't speak techno babble and who's not wired like an engineer. So that's kind of what led to uh, produce like a boss. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so cool. And yeah, I, I love, I feel like it's such a big opportunity and it's a great thing that, that we can dig into here is while you're pursuing a career as an original artist, right? Like it's no secret that um, when you're first starting out, it's not like you're gonna be raking in millions of dollars or even like a sustainable income to just support yourself and invest yeah. in, in things. And so, yeah, I think that a lot of artists have a day job or like their their money gigs and then they kind of have their music which is the thing that they really want to do that they're really passionate about but um then they were doing this other thing that's totally unaligned that they're just doing to pay the bill so that they can you know pursue this other thing that they sometimes don't feel like they have enough energy for so what mm -hmm. i love about what you're describing too about some of this opportunity to learn the skill of production and to create a business around it is that it's so complementary like it's so aligned 
with your music career that if you're if you need to do something to make money, then uh, how about al- making sure it's aligned with um, with your vision to to grow your original your original audience and so you know build a successful music career, which generally is going to take take some time. You know, you got to plant the seeds and you got to grow it, and it's not necessarily going to be like an overnight type of thing. I would say it's 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 having a plan B that supports your plan A. You know, and I think that it's, I think it's amazing to have like folk, like really big wins as your focus. Like I won't be as big as, you know, Beyonce or Rihanna, but it's not Beyonce big or broke, right? Like it, it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to get like a hundred thousand dollars sink placement or I'm going to starve. And I think that's just kind of a common misconception is we have the, 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 the dream of like, or we're going to make it or we're going to starve. And there's no in between for, I think a lot of people, they don't have that in their, in their site. And I, I discovered it kind of like this beautiful accident where I was like, whoa, like I can actually do this professionally. And like, as my job, like while I'm still going for those big wins, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's super cool. And, you know, and I guess that probably part of the reason that people have that false narrative of kind of like the, the go big or like make it or break it kind of thing is maybe because of the old model, the way that it worked with record labels, where it was kind of like a lottery compared yeah. to now the great equalizer of the internet. And, you know, there, there is like a lot of room. Uh, in between where you don't necessarily have to, you know, be the most successful, you don't have to be Beyonce, you know, to have a six figure music career. Like when, when you talk about building a music business and kind of having, having this alignment there, um, what have been some of the, the most profitable skill sets or like, how would you, let's say that someone here is listening. They're like, that sounds awesome. Like I would love to uh, kind of get started to start building, you know, a complimentary business that gives me income that aligns with my music career. Where do they even start? So one of the best pieces of advice I ever got when I first started like learning how to do this, because I mean, it's a lot, I'm, I'm not saying like, you're going to learn how to produce and you're going to make money at it tomorrow. It, it, it's a little deeper than that, but um, you know, are you already a great singer? Are you already a great songwriter or, or even a guitarist or a pianist? Because turning on the DAW and being able to record what your, your zone of genius is, is, is a different skill in itself, right? It's, it's learning to produce. It's also learning how to record. So the first step for me was like, oh, I was already singing. Like I was already professional. I was already, you know, doing a lot of gigs and making money. So the advice I got was focus on what you're good at first and then let the rest build around it. Like, don't come at this and be like, I'm going to try and make money doing demos at first. Like just start with like, I'm going to make money as a session singer online, you know, or I'm going to start remotely collaborating with people. So that's where I started. You know, it's like, I'm already 80% there, right? If I've got the skill down now, I just got to learn how to turn on the DAW and, you know, make everything work. So um, that's usually the path that I take people on. I, I try to get where their strengths are and we start them there. And it's like, you're working on these chops while you're doing this. You know, I remember, one of my first clients, um, she actually found me on YouTube, which was so random because I didn't even have a channel. I had like less than 500 followers. And she found me and she's like, I love your voice. Like, I'd love to hire you to like sing on. Like she's had hundreds of songs. She was a songwriter, but not a singer. And she goes, can you just send me like a rough, like um, like even on your phone, I just want to make sure it's the right key for your voice. I said, sure. And I had logic, but I had just barely started, you know, barely started to use it. I tracked the vocal, I tracked the guitar. I threw a little reverb, a little compression, and I sent it to her via email, not as a voice memo and was just like, well, here's this little rough thing. And she goes, you did that? She goes, well, I'll just hire you to record everything then. And I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) You know? Um, And the next thing you know, like I'm sending her these guitar vocals and I'm like, I'm going to throw a little shaker in here. I'm going to throw a little bass in here. And I'm just tucking things in and I'm like, just to see. And she's like, oh my gosh, you can add instrumentation. And then that's kind of how the demo thing began. So. That's awesome. Cool. So, <laughs> so, so it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, you don't necessarily even have to start out as a full-fledged producer, that there's actually a lot of opportunities for session work as a vocalist, or um, maybe you even talk about like some like songwriting kind of work. 
Um, so how does that work? So like, like what are the platforms that people can use if let's say that someone is watching this and they're like, you know, I've, I've got a, I've got a good voice. And um, a lot of times people tell me that I have an amazing voice. And I think that that's one of my skill sets. How do they get started with, you know, actually finding session work for that? Sure, sure. So, I mean, I always like to to point people towards like online marketplaces where, you know, you're not trying to, because there's, there's so much to learn at once that it's like trying to set up your own website and drive traffic to that at first can be a little daunting, right? So just getting on board with uh, websites like BeatStars and SoundBetter and AirGigs, um, to name a few, are some websites where they're, they're connecting like professionals, like, you know, audio mix engineers and producers and singers with people um, that are looking to hire them for those services. And, um, you know, the list goes on, you know, I did custom songwriting. I did kids songs. I did voiceover. I've done, um, you know, custom songwriting is actually a really good one for like brands, for people. Um, and, and that's one of those things too, where depending on what the gig is, it's not really about like, you know, having this like radio ready, like, you know, wall of sound, huge track. It's like, Hey, like I want to write a song for my girlfriend. Like I've got a budget of like, you know, a thousand bucks. Can I hire you? And like, you know, tell you what I want it to be about, but I'm not a musician. And then you write that song or something kind of like that. I've actually got a lot of like side jobs like that as well. And then, I mean, you can get really creative with it as well. Like, um, I, I was watching something Prince EA was talking about the other day on Instagram. And he was saying somebody reached out to him. Oh, it wasn't Prince EA. It was somebody else. But anyways, he was an influencer with over a million followers. And he said a musician reached out to him and was like, hey, man, I love your brand. I wrote a theme song for you. You could use it for a podcast. You could use it for this, that. What do you think? And he's like, I loved it so much. I was like, immediately, I wanted to license it. And I ended up paying the guy three grand. And I was like, that is so smart. I mean, there's just, there's so many opportunities. So, I mean, you can do stuff like that, which is really kind of going out on your own, but you can also maximize by using uh, marketplaces like SoundBetter and AirGigs. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight Series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. 
so I, I want to to double down on one of the things that, that you brought up too in terms of custom custom songwriting that's something like for for some of our clients right now that we're starting to test out that's like working really really well even for new uh, new fans who come in and yeah. just discover the music and like todd herzog for example um he had a new fan who came in through his ads who purchased a three thousand dollar like kind of custom songwriting experience where yeah. uh she had just lost a family member and he basically wrote this song to help her honor a family member and to kind of process that 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 grief and it's super powerful and what an amazing thing you can offer uh mm -hmm. to to a fan and three thousand dollars you know for, for that as well you know you get a couple of those a month and you know you're close to a six figure a year income which is pretty cool yeah um, absolutely that was the other side I was going to mention about the custom songs is, is coming in through fans and not, you know, not just like a client, but somebody who just loves your music and you're offering that kind of red carpet experience of tears for them, whether it be through, you know, like a Patreon or a Kickstarter, but you know, however you go about collecting money, people are going, okay, how much more can I pay to, to, to work with you on a deeper level? Right. So being able to custom write for your fans is amazing, but it's like, you got to have the tools to be able to hand it to them. You know, you can always outsource a producer. Sure. But, it, um, you know, I think it's just one of those things where working from home and having a home setup is no longer a, like a luxury. I feel like it's a necessity, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's become, it's become more and more expected nowadays because of the ability that we that we have. You know, like everyone can have the tools to record. And so, I mean, one one thing that would be good to get your perspective on because I think there is sort of like a yin and a yang, and there's sort of there's pros and cons of different things. But like, what's your take on? Is it ever right for an artist to like, or, or is it if slash when is it the right time for an artist as well to like work with, to find a producer and to like work alongside a producer? Um, how do you recommend balancing that as well as developing their own skill with as being a producer? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, learning this skill, it's one of those things where it's like you learn it and depending on how much it calls to you, you're gonna go down that rabbit hole or you're gonna stop at a certain place and go, now I can delegate this better because now I can communicate with my producer better because I know the language. I understand how arrangement works. I understand, you know, just enough about what these things are that I can actually, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the studio with an artist and they're like, you know, that thing that goes and it's like, you know, they're, they're trying to explain it and it's kind of coming out like, ah, you know, it made me a better artist, a more desirable artist to work with producers when I learned this, even at a service level. Right. So I can't answer that for one person because it's all like, for me, I got called to the rabbit hole. And at first I was like, no, I'm just a singer. I'm just going to learn how to record, you know? And then it was like, and I kind of kept going. So it's going to be unique to each person, but I think it's important to, to understand when you've taken something as far as it can go and to, to go, is this serving the song at the highest level? And if it's not always serve the song at the highest level. Right. And it's like, I, I tell people now at this point, I've been producing for gosh, almost 10 years, you know, like eight, eight or nine years. And I can mix my own stuff, but I still, and I, I've been playing guitar since I was like 15. I still outsource to the guy who lives and eats and breathes like guitar. You know, I want the guy in his zone of genius for that. Just like I want the guy in his zone of genius for mixing and mastering, even though he can do those things too. So it's not always a matter of like, um, can you, it's should you, but is learning it still valuable? Hell to the yes, <laughs> mm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think they articulated that so so well that um, it's not necessarily like a one or the other type thing. And like the the value you get from learning the skill yourself and the way that it applies to working with producers as well or working with other 
um, other team members who can who can help to achieve the final vision. It's only going to benefit you to have that core understanding, at least at the basic level of how it works. I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't understand it, then um, you're not going to be a very good, you're like, it's going to be very difficult to articulate the vision and understand it if you're even doing a good job. You know, that's yeah. another thing too. You might be like, I don't even know, like, is this good or not? And and just one more thing I'd like to add to that for, you know, for, for artists and singers is like, you really get this opportunity, like, especially now it's like, you know, remote collaboration, we kind of got forced into that with the pandemic, right? Where I, but I think it's just going to continue to keep doing this where it's like, people are now realizing that they don't have to leave their home studios to do these things. Right. So for singers, it's like, if you're uncomfortable in the studio or you feel like a little bit of pressure when the producer's there and the engineer's there and people are there, the beauty of understanding how to work a mic so that you can get the, first of all, you can take your time. You're not worrying about being on somebody's watch, you know, somebody counting the clock and, 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 you know, charging you for it, you can really get the perfect vocal takes at home in the comfort of your own home, which is awesome. Mm, That is super awesome. Right. Just not having Um, to think about it or anybody else taking the pressure off. I mean, talk about capturing the ultimate performance and also getting really comfortable with your own voice. Um, I I notice a lot of artists when they get into the studio, they hear their own voice. It kind of freaks them out, you know, so it's just mm, such a great tool to like be really comfortable with this and what a better place to start than home by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really empowering. Awesome. So how about let's say that someone um, is like, awesome. I want to start developing the skill. I want to start getting better at producing myself. And, uh, and they start trying to learn production. What are some of the biggest, the biggest mistakes that you see them make at first? I'm going to give the first two that come to mind. So the first one is they think they need really expensive gear. They think they need to drive a like a Benzo for their first car. Right. And so that either stops them from starting because it's that perfectionism getting in the way of like, well, I can't do this until I can spend $10,000. So that's just a myth. It's, it's, it's not true. You can do so much with like under a thousand dollars easy. Um, so they're overspending on gear or they're procrastinating because they think they need the fancy gear. And then number two, and this is the biggest one is they think they need to understand like everything that the DAW, which is digital audio workstation, they think they need to know everything that it does. And that's like saying, I need to be able to take apart the engine of my car to be able to drive it. And so they do things like they, they, go to music school and do production 101, right? Or they're, they're trying to go, they take like a class at Udemy or whatever. They go online and they go Logic or Pro Tools 101. Let's learn everything this thing does. Could you imagine if you got your Mac computer and got it home and was like, let's read the freaking guide and do everything that, you know, okay, it can do all these things. It would be so overwhelming. And realistically, you know, none of that's going to stick. I mean, they say that we only, how much do we, I forget what the stat is, but it's like, you remember like 20% of what you read anyways, right? So I think that mistake mistake is like thinking they need to know and trying to cram it all getting overwhelmed and then going I can't do this it's too much instead of picking like actionable bite-sized things that they can get immediate wins with like let's just learn how to track a vocal guitar today let's learn a cover song you know rather than having to eat the whole elephant if you will Mm. (laughs) those are the two biggest ones for me eating the elephants yeah it's I've I've eaten several elephants in my lifetime and I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. It's not a good experience. No. You know, our mutual our mutual friend, uh, Michael Elsner, he talks about the idea of just in time learning. You know, so that, that's what comes to mind when you're talking about, you know, the idea that you need to learn everything and like and understand everything. Um, and, and really it's just it's sort of a waste of mental energy and waste of mental bandwidth because like you're saying, you're gonna retain very little bit. In fact, the only stuff that you're probably going to retain 
is the stuff that's actually applicable to your life right now that you actually mm -hmm. act on, yeah. you know? And so rather than just trying to learn everything just for the sake of having knowledge, um, it seems like it's much better. Uh, you're going to get much more leverage from just in time learning and really deciding like, what, what am I trying to do? What's my goal? What's my outcome? And okay, what do I actually need to pull into my, my uh, pipeline of learning in order to accomplish this outcome? Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. So what would you say if like, if we wanted to like zoom out and maybe look at a high level overview of the path to go from artist who has some basic production skills and you know knows how to open up logic or ableton and click record and can record some stuff mm -hmm. going from that point to making their first thousand dollars a month as a um, music music career income from their their work what would be some steps for that yeah, if we were kind of like zooming out and maybe yeah. um, looking at like a higher level, like what are some of the biggest steps for it? So if, I, if I'm just speaking from like my experience, um, what's worked for me was um, signing up on a few different platforms online where I was capitalizing on somebody else's traffic, right? So being able to get on like BeatStars and, and sound better and air gigs where they've got, you know, <laughs> thousands, millions, you know, of people visiting their site and being able to get my, um, my profile in front of those people and my demos for that. So that would be first. And then um, secondly, would be like social media and utilizing that and letting people know that you are available for work, you know, starting within your network as well. And like not worrying if like none of those, oh, these are all my friends. It doesn't matter because like once you put it out there, maybe your friend's like, oh, that's so great. You're doing that. I have a friend that didn't know about this and just, you know, trusting that, I mean, I've gotten a lot of work just by sharing a track I'm working on, on Instagram. People mm -hmm. will DM me and they're like, Hey, like I had a guy DM me. He became a client for a few months. He's like, I love these beats you're making. He's like, I'm a rapper. Can you make me like, he it was like a retainer. He's like, can you make me like five of these a month for a couple of months? I'm like, sure. <laughs> so just putting yourself out there, um, you know, both, uh, on your own network and, and other bigger networks would be a big step. And then of course, starting with what you're already good at, you know, obviously we, we don't want to go and try and monetize something we haven't mastered yet, but if you're a great singer, learn how to make sure that you're gain staging properly, that you know how to send files, you know, that you are doing things like bouncing from zero and, and not clipping and, and, and the basic stuff, you know, and especially and as a guitar player, make sure you know how to print the tones and like, and stuff like that, you know, and, and just being able to dial in your zone of genius. Awesome. That's super helpful. Yeah. Thank you for, I know I'm throwing you a little bit of a curveball. I'm just like, like, like imagining like higher level steps, but um, that definitely helps a lot just to understand, you know, for, I think a lot of people right here, they're like, this is awesome. I would love to get started with this, but um, just kind of understanding at a higher level, what's a, what are the big steps to do is, is definitely helpful. What do you say are, again, like some more, some more of the biggest mistakes or challenges that you see artists making when it comes to um, both like the business side of it. So like, you know, the production side and um, getting started with that. And also um, we could go down the, the path of with their productions themselves and, and different things that, that, that they're trying. I think some of the the biggest mistakes that that artists are making is is thinking like if you build it they will come you know they they're not putting enough music out there they're um you know I have this this quote that has stuck with me for so long and I swear for the life of me I can't figure out who it is so I'm just gonna say it's a quote but it is uh, perfectionism is procrastination disguises productivity 
Ooh, that's good. Right? Every time I hear it, it <laughs> gives really me like good. the chills, you know? And, and I feel like that is probably one of the biggest things I've ever seen. It's like, you're never going to be ready. Like, and as somebody who is a recovering perfectionist and procrastinator, like I, I just live by ready, fire, aim these days. And it's like, you know, it's so much easier to pivot when you're in motion than it is to get started. So just do it. Like it's, and it's okay to suck. You know, you got to learn how to walk before you can run. Right? You got to learn how to crawl before you can walk. And in order to do that, you have to just start. <laughs> and mm. I would say that that, that is, is the, the biggest thing holding people back. You know, whether it's mm. the gear. I mean, I, I did this too, Michael. I did this for a, a couple years where I had logic on my computer. And I'm like, but I can't afford third-party plugins. And I only have stock sounds. So I'm not going to make anything because it's just going to be trash anyways. Like that was mm. just me protecting myself, right? Mm. So whenever, whenever I see stuff like that, I'm like, by the way, you know, um, Pharrell has made bangers using nothing but logic stock sounds so like there really is no excuse you know yeah mm. and as far that's, as like getting, just getting into like the daw and like the more technical stuff like like what was your second part of the question about the productions yeah let me let, before we go into that part i just want okay. to dig a little bit deeper in this because this, this is so good i got goosebumps as you're sharing that and it, this is one of those things that we talked about throughout the event how you know everyone has like different, um, different strategies, different tactics, things on the surface, but then there's going to be these like patterns, these things that come up over and over again. And, you know, I think that this, this point that you just brought up about perfectionism and how it's sort of an excuse for procrastination and, um, kind of uncovering, uncovering that would be great to dig into that a little bit more because I think ultimately you're right. I think that's the number one thing is, is fear is like, it's a fear of actually moving forward. And it, we tend to try to avoid, um, looking at those things, and a lot of times we'll drag our feet, or we'll come up with excuses, or like, "Oh, I can't do this because X, Y, or Z thing." Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what would you recommend to speak to that specific fear? Like, where do you think that that fear is coming from, and how do you how do you address that and overcome that? Um, because I think that people are afraid to to you're not. It's like having writer's block. You're not blocked, like Seth Seth Godin says. Like, you're not blocked. You're just afraid of writing something crappy. That's all it is, right? Um, a doctor doesn't say like, oh, I just don't feel inspired today. They get up and they go to work. So for me, it's like, you know, rather than saying like, I'm just not feeling inspired to that or, or making excuses, I just, I mean, I just do the work. I just show up anyways, even if it doesn't feel good, even if I'm scared and I just, I just push through it. I, I keep coming around to writer's block because that's such a good example of perfectionism. You know, people go, well, I'm just not inspired. So I'm not going to write. And I'm like, that's the difference between an amateur and a pro though. Because I feel like the muse is like this kind of finicky, like being, right? Who's like in the room. And sometimes she comes and she just comes on you. And it's like lightning in a bottle, right? And you're like, yes, this, this is awesome. I'm so awesome. And you're writing all the stuff, right? And sometimes it's like, you it's not there at all. But if you show up, she's like, I'll show up if you show up first. Like you've mm. got to get it moving, right? Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. It reminds me of... I think I've heard a quote from like Stephen King talking about talking about the muse and his version of the muse is like this like this like old man who comes in the basement is basically I forget he is it's a very Stephen King like way of describing his muse but the idea was exactly what you're talking about how it's it's not about only working when you feel inspired because that's it's gonna be few and far between but the, really the people who are the most successful are the ones who have routines and they show up and they do the work even when they don't feel like it and a lot of times the momentum of like getting started is the thing that brings 
brings it out and kind of gets things into a rhythm. Right. Um, well, and just really quick to go back to like people not wanting to make um, bad music, right? Because that's what, what it is, right? Everyone's, we're essentially, we're afraid of fear and we're afraid, or I'm sorry, we're afraid of um, rejection, right? Yeah. We don't want to suck. But, yeah. um, and, and, and oftentimes people ask me like, well, because I always talk about quantity, 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 you got to just keep making music, make a song every day, make your song, make yourself make a beat in 10 minutes. Like you'd be surprised how your brain works when you set a timer and go, no matter what, I got to finish this. And you turn it into a game. You will make moves you never would have made if you gave yourself a day to do it or a week to do it, right? So it's like, it's not quantity or quality. I think it's that quantity, quantity, quantity over time. It's the repetition. It becomes quality. Then it becomes quality and quantity. And that's what you need to get to the next level. Because it isn't mm. just one song. And here's the other thing is like one more thing about like a common mistake. People think that it's like they're going to hit the lottery and like, you know, yeah, I guess one song could change your life. But like, do you want to bet your life on a lottery ticket? Because that's literally what that's doing. Right. I, I think that it, you know, the most successful people, like they're multiple streams of income coming. They got multiple irons in the fire. They're not like, oh, you know, I'm going to stop that Beyonce bigger broke thing. Right. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that one of the one of the best analogies that or one of the best stories that comes to mind to kind of illustrate what we are talking about right now is this study that a high school teacher it was either high school or college teacher did where basically he had two two classes and their their goal was to make a vase that was like the most like the high the best quality vase basically and they had two groups and with one of the groups he said okay so you're going to spend all of your time working on creating the best vase possible and you know you have like months to do it and you have this one vase and you know you just make you put all your time and you just make it as, as great as possible and with the other group he said you know you um basically you just make as many as possible and it doesn't matter like how good it is um but you just make it as much as possible and at the end they like compared the vases and the ones where they basically made like a ton of vases but they weren't really like worried about like the quality being like super great were the ones that ended up just being hugely like not even close way way better quality than the one that people have spent so much time crafting trying to get the perfect one so i think there's a lot of wisdom to what you're talking about with quantity quantity versus quality and quantity as a way to iterate and to learn what works kind of like what we talked about with the version 1.0 going to getting to version 3.0 as quickly as possible you know, the first version is probably not going to be very good, no matter what you're doing, if you're not, yeah. if you don't have the skill, but you know, the iteration and learning the lessons learned. So I guess in your perspective, is it possible that someone is just like, is going for like quantity, 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 but they like kind of can stifle their growth um, if they don't have enough like reflection or, or a mentorship or like they're able to kind of learn from those or like what's what's your perspective on the best way to get the most value from the learning as they're putting things into practice and they're doing the quantity as well sure yeah i think it's a combination of like the feedback you're getting from your fans and your peers as well as your mentors right because um <clears throat> i mean i am a huge like oh gosh i I'm always investing in learning and growing. I love it. Like I will never like not buy a book when I hear it dropped on a podcast. I'm like, gotta get that, you know, or, or working with mentors is amazing, but also it's good to get that direct feedback. I mean, that's the world we live in too, from your fans. Right. I think that's, that's great that instead of having to go into a studio and drop, you know, three grand or five grand and get a song and then release it and find out if people like it, you could be doing like little demo versions of it, or even just little live versions of it and doing kind of like a market research where you're like, what do you guys think of this? Or here's five songs help me pick my next single 
right? So I think it's a combination of getting it from people in like behind the curtain and in the industry, but also on the other side, because we hear with different ears than a lot of consumers. And that's why it's important to get both, right? Like, it, like when I send a song to another producer and I'm like, what do you think? I always send it to just a friend who's a fan, not necessarily even of me, but just of music, because I know they're going to hear it differently. We listen differently as professionals, right? That's a really good point. It kind of reminds me of... Um... Yeah, I'm like a geek for video games and I don't play video games as much as I used to because I'm too busy doing stuff that isn't just me playing video <laughs> games. But but I still I still love video games. And you know, if you would have told me 10 years ago that there'd be Twitch streamers who are making like millions of dollars on Twitch, I would have been like, Mom and Dad, that's it. I give up on everything. I'm playing video games. Um, but uh what it reminded me of was uh, on Metacritic, which is like a reviews platform that basically compiles the critics reviews and it compiles the user reviews and what you're saying with the difference between the critics versus like the users that's the same thing applies to rotten tomatoes sometimes they have those two scores for a reason but like sometimes there's critics who like they give something a terrible score they're like oh this this sucks but then the user score is super high because it's like no this is awesome the critics didn't like it because you know they feel like it's too bland or generic because they have like they listen to so much music all the time but um but that's not always necessarily the the only viewpoint to consider. You know, it's one to consider, so it's great to reach out to them. But also, um, I, I think you're totally on point that it's great to just have a direct conversation with your fans and the people who are actually listening to it. And it's also a great way just to, to build a deeper relationship with them at the same time and show that you care about them and, and start building a conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny. I... Uh... You know, I released, I was doing all these demos and we were pitching them in Nashville. And like, you know, finally I was like, man, I love these songs. I'm like, I'm just going to put these on a rec. I'm going to get them professionally mixed and mastered. And they were all like demos done in my bedroom. And I would bring them to like, um, to gigs and stuff. And I'd just be like, I produced this myself. Like, you know, it's donation based. It had six songs on it. So many people would like hand me like a 20 and they would come to the gigs over and over. Oh my God, they'd be singing along. My daughter loves your music, which, you know, it was, it was amazing. Right. And then I was like, oh, great. And I got some money together. I did a Kickstarter. I'm like, I'm going to get this song professionally produced and did my next single. And it did not get the same response. But I mean, technically it was, it was the best. It was the highest quality song I had put out to date. But as far as like my fans, like they just didn't respond the same. And maybe it's because they got the story too that came with it of like, hey, like I'm doing this myself and they were coming to my gigs and, you know, I told them like, you know, how I made the songs, but um, yeah, just two different sets of ears there. Mm, that, is, that is super interesting. Yeah, I think that you're right, that the the engagement and the fan engagement, the connection and yeah. um, the relationship there is the, like trumps everything, at least when it comes to your original music and if you're looking to like build a career where it's like you have the relationship with the fans and they're the ones that are providing the money then yeah. you know it's a crucial um a crucial thing to to develop yeah i mean i think that's super especially nowadays i think that is so important i think fans love to uh, be a part of the journey and be included in that and just the power of story um in general um is is so key. So I think that you can, you can document the process of you uh, writing. I've, I've actually done this in the car where instead of just getting a voice memo um, of like a song idea, I'll just turn on the video and I'm like, okay, so I have this idea and, and, and actually sharing like me going through like the, uh, the mumble phase 
of coming up with a melody or a lyric and, and even little things like that. If you go into the studio, taking the camera with you behind the scenes, um, sharing your lyric writing process, sharing the story of what the song is inspired by. I mean, all of this can, can be done when just little short bits of content that you could um, release, uh, you know, dripped out through the process of promoting a single and then maybe even do like one big piece of content with it all edited together um, at the end, which could be cool too. Mm, I love it. I think it's such an interesting idea because it's just like the time that we live in where we have the ability, like, I think there's something really special about live. There's just a certain energy um, that happens from just like being in the present moment, being here as part of the creative process. And I think being able to like bring in your fans to be a part of that and to be able to like literally like see the creative work happening through you is something that's probably really fascinating for the right kind of person. And it's something that you, know, you could have gated behind some sort of membership community or something just for your, like your inner circle or you're like, you're really your biggest supporters who want to be a part of that process. And you kind of yeah. like, as an artist, you kind of have these different, it's almost like an onion. You have these different like layers of yourself and on the surface or the furthest out on your social media, the tip of the content iceberg, it's kind of like your most polished, like the stuff that like you're really putting out. But I think that, that going live and you're kind of share documenting the stuff as you're doing it live can be a really powerful way to leverage um, both the live stuff, then to record it and to be able to, to repurpose it and kind of like yeah. snip it up and stuff like, like Chris was talking about. That's awesome. I love that. And I love the idea of that being like an upper tier as well. So it's like, you've got the stuff that you're putting out publicly. That's a little more polished. And it's like, Hey, if you want to get behind the scenes, you know, then that ends up being a, just a different level at which they can work with you. And I love that. But yeah, it is, it is really interesting being able to, to document and be able to leverage that content. And then the people who were there live, you know, kind of see this, um, this progression as your, as, of your art, as it goes from beginning to, to the end. It's super cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for hopping on the summit today. It's been a lot of fun. Um, but also I just, I just think that the quality like of, of energy that you bring to this topic is super needed right now. And and making it more digestible and easy for artists to cultivate the skill, to be able to produce themselves. And then also, you know, having an, having an alternative source of income to a day job or something that's not really aligned with their music um, is something that's super valuable. So thank you for doing what you do. And for anyone who is here right now that is interested in connecting more or um, learning, learning more about the different uh, programs and the and free resources that you offer, where would be the best place for them to connect more? Uh, produce Like a Boss is, is all the socials and the website, producelikeaboss.com and at Produce Like a Boss. Awesome. Um, Chris, you're awesome. Thanks for being part of the summit. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your, your weekend. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.